Father, I thank you for this time that we have together. I thank you, Father, for the opportunity once again to be your voice. Father, my greatest desire is that you would be revealed today. My greatest desire is that you would be lifted high and glorified. Father, I thank you that we have had the honor of seeing so many people come to you. See, so many lives changed. We've seen so many bodies healed. We've seen so many souls saved. Father, I am just in awe of what you've already done. And Father, I am standing here with an amazing expectation of what you are doing at this very moment. Have your way, Holy Spirit. This is your night. This is your afternoon. We just give it to you freely. We ask you, Father, we ask you, Holy Spirit, to just come, inhabit this place, inhabit our praises, inhabit these people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I get the joy of being here to share my testimony with you. There's nothing I'd rather do. Absolutely nothing I'd rather do. The song that Colleen just sang, oh, so precious. What I really loved about that song, Colleen, is that was like God talking to me. God talking to us. He's saying, I love you. I love you. And because I love you so much, I paid the price for you. When I was diagnosed with cancer nine and a half years ago, that's exactly what I came to know. The healing that I went through that I'm going to be sharing with you was a healing that um, was birthed from the inside out. It wasn't an outward, just an outward healing, although that did manifest, as you can tell. You know the end of the story, because I'm standing here nine years later, very, very healthy. So there's no suspense in this story. You know that I'm healed, and you know that my heart is completely God's. But what happened to me during those nine years, I call it a blessed journey. The first book that I wrote, that's the title, A Blessed Journey Through Terminal Cancer and Into Divine Healing. And that's what happened. It was a journey. It was a journey, and that journey is... It's not ended. It's not going to end. You'll hear through my, my testimony that, and like Val already referred to, that now God's taken us from that event out into the world. And that's why I love sharing what he did for me. My prayer is that always, 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 he's the one that gets the glory. That's one of the, the burdens on my heart. Like, God, I don't want it to be a Cindy show. I don't want it to be anything about me. I want it to be everything about him. Amen. So... Nine and a half years ago, I'm going to tell the, the medical part, I don't focus on a whole lot. I focus more on spiritual, but I'm going to tell the medical part, too, because I want you to know, I will, honey. Oh, I'm not ready for those yet, but I will. Thank you. My husband takes perfect care of me. He's awesome. That's why I bring him with me, even to the girl place. He has to come with me. But... Mostly what I focus on is the spiritual. I will tell you the physical because I think it's really important that those of you who are out there or those of you who maybe will take this story out and share it, that you know the amazing depth of what God did in my body. That's a big deal. But I also want to share with you what he's done in, in so many areas because, like I said, it was a healing from the inside out. So nine years ago, nine and a half years ago, I got a stage four diagnosis of cancer. It went through several phases. I, was, I had a mole, uh, which was melanoma. It was found through a routine exam. I had no idea I had it. I went in for a routine skin exam because I loved the sun. I did do a lot of sun uh, bathing 
band, tanning booths, that kind of thing. So I was, you know, I was doing my thing and going to the doctor, had a regular skin exam, they found a melanoma mole. Stage one, not a problem, take it off, all good. I went to the oncologist the first time to get the, you know, how, to, how they were going to remove it and the surgery that was involved. And when I did that, I had uh, an exam and they found a lymph node in the vicinity of the mole that was enlarged. Then they did a fine needle biopsy and that came back positive for melanoma, which put me immediately to stage three. Stage three was still considered curable. And um, they, I, they had scheduled me for a pretty radical surgery, which was called a lymph node dissection. And that was going to be followed by a year of treatment with interferon treatment. And um, before they did that surgery, I had a series of tests. And during that series of tests, I had a CAT scan. CAT scan showed enlarged lymph nodes through my whole lymph node system. Then I had a PET scan, and the PET scan confirmed that, the, that, that there was cancer and that it was active. So that was the stage four diagnosis. I had, the diagnosis said, extensive metastasis of the cancer throughout my lymphatic system. Bad news. It was considered incurable, and they told me that my life prognosis was six to nine months. The worst part of the whole thing is that I didn't know Jesus personally. When I was diagnosed with stage four cancer, a couple things happened immediately. The first thing was a fear like nothing I've ever, ever experienced settled on me. It wasn't just uh, emotion. It was a spiritual oppression. It was so dark, it completely took over all of me. And then I started having effects. I know it was all spiritual. I started having symptoms. I started having pain immediately after I got the diagnosis. Not before. That all happened after. That's one of the tricks of the enemy. If he can get you to buy his lie, he's, he's got a lot of, of, of pull in the whole, um, how, the, how it progresses. So that was on Ash Wednesday. I got the stage four diagnosis on an Ash Wednesday. And um, I, the very next day, I had a trip planned to visit my mom and dad in Alabama. I, the surgery was supposed to be the following week. Well, they canceled that surgery. Stage four, the doctor called. He said, nope, cancel surgery because it won't do any good to take out that lymph node, that section of lymph nodes, if it's through your whole system. So they canceled the surgery. The very next day, I got on a plane. I thought, well, I'm not going to cancel my trip. You know, I need to get away and have some time to just pray and think. So I went to Alabama. Now, for those of you who, who know me and know my marriage and the, and the relationship I have with Kent, know that we don't get too far apart. That day, right after I was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer, I went to Alabama by myself, and he went to Florida because that same month, my father-in-law had had a really bad stroke. So we had my father-in-law, who was in bad shape, and Count went to be with his mom and dad. I went to be with my mom and dad, and I had stage 4 cancer diagnosis, and it was a really bad weekend. <laughs> it was a really bad weekend. And I didn't know Jesus. So here I am in Alabama, walking the shores of the ocean, this beautiful scenery, and praying to a God who was so distant because I didn't know him personally. And I remember praying things that now I know were totally unscriptural because I didn't know any different. 
I was asking God, God, if it's your will, take this away from me. But if it's not your will, give me the strength to endure it. Well, guess what? I'm going to tell you, and I know, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to stop everything and tell you the truth. It is his will for healing. It is his will for divine healing, for divine health, for divine life. And it says so in here. This is his will. The Bible is his will. It's his perfect will. I'm going to tell you a lot more of that as I speak. But at that time, I didn't know it. One of the things I did when I was there, I emailed my friend. There was a girl that I taught with, wasn't even my friend then. She was a very young teacher. She's young enough to be my daughter. And um, I emailed her, and I said, she had asked me to come to a healing meeting. Very much like this. And I had told her I couldn't because I was scheduled for surgery. Well, everything had changed from one day to the next. So I emailed her from Alabama, and I asked her, I said, I do want to go to that healing meeting. And I asked her for some scriptures. Now, I had never read the Bible. I didn't have a Bible with me in Alabama. But I asked her for some scriptures, and she sent me some scriptures. Well, the day I got home, I was only gone for four days. The day that I got home, I got up first thing in the morning, and I opened my Bible for the first time. And I read some of God's promises about healing. I had never read those promises before. I didn't know they were in the Bible. They were never shared from the pulpit in the church that I attended. I started reading these truths, because this is truth. It's not just words. I didn't know it then, but I know it now. Started reading these truths, and they just reached deep into my soul. Here I was with a death sentence, and I was reading scriptures that said, by the stripes of Jesus, I was healed. I had a death sentence, and I was reading scriptures that said that Jesus paid the price for me, that he became the curse for me, that the curse of sickness, which is definitely part of the curse, he took to the cross, and he nailed it to the cross, and he defeated the enemy. So I started reading some of these scriptures that she gave to me, and it was like really early in the morning. It was in February, and I went to my computer, and I thought, okay, uh, these are good. I want these so I can have good, easy access. So I typed them really quick on my computer, and I clicked save. And then something supernatural happened. This is like this is like a this is like a science fiction story, but it's not. It's God. It's totally God. When I clicked save in a word in the word a Microsoft Word, when you click save, the first line of your document goes into that box, and then you can change the title if you want to. But that's not what happened. When I clicked save in that box, it said messages from God. And I was sitting in my study in front of my computer. And I saw that, and I was like, just in awe. That's not what the first line of my of my first scripture was. And I'm looking in, at this at this title, and I'm just overwhelmed, like with awe. God was getting my attention, <laughs> and then my electricity went off. Looking at the computer, looking at that title, staring at it in awe, and the electricity went off. Now, we live in a sub that has underground electrical lines, and the electricity never goes off. We've lived there for 18 years, and it's only gone off once or twice. And one of them was when all of Detroit was had the ground out for uh, several days. It never goes off. That day, there was no windstorm. There was no snowstorm. There was no rainstorm. There was no thunderstorm. My electricity went off. My, my house, my computer went dead. My whole 
house was completely black. And as I look back, I believe that it was God showing me, first of all, grabbing hold of my attention, but also showing me the vast difference between darkness and light. I was in a very dark place and I didn't even know it. Dark with cancer, yes, but dark in a lot of other ways as well. Very shortly, my electricity came back on and my file was still there, still there today. I clicked, you know, save and went on with my day. And the first thing I did when I got to work was I went and found this girl, Jenny. She started talking to me. She didn't talk long, but the little bit that she told me changed my life. She told me, Cindy, God didn't give you cancer. This isn't from him. It's the enemy. And then she told me that Jesus paid the price for my healing at the same time that he paid the price for my sin. That when he went on that cross and he died for me, he died so that I could live healed and whole. There's a scripture that I love, John 10, 10. And it really draws a line in the sand between the bad guy and the good guy. The devil's bad and God is good. And this scripture says the enemy came to steal and kill and destroy. The thief came to steal and kill and destroy. And Jesus is speaking. He says, but I came that they may have life and have it to the abundance. The line was drawn in the sand. Jenny told me something I'd never heard before. And it, believe me, that was nine and a half years ago. And I remember those three sentences she said that changed my life. They were so impactful. Maybe this is the first time you've heard that. Maybe this is the first time you've heard somebody say it's not God's will for you to be sick. Maybe this is the first time that you've heard that praying if it be God's will maybe isn't the right way to pray if you're sick. We're going to talk about why. But then my friend Jenny did something that was the most important thing in my life. She asked me if I was saved. Well, I was Catholic. And doggone it, yes, I was. <laughs> and that's what I told her. I said, I go to church every Sunday. I, my kids go to catechism. I teach catechism. I'm, I'm a Eucharistic minister. My kids made all their sacraments. I made all my sacraments. Um, I'm a good person. Yeah, I think I'm saved. And she didn't ask me any questions or debate the issue. She just said, do you want to be sure? And I said, yes. The doctor has told me, right at that point, I literally thought I was going to die. Absolutely, I believed the doctor. And I said, yeah, I want to be saved. I want to go to heaven, you know. I, yeah, I want to be saved. And she opened her Bible. This is not on the scriptures that are there. I'll tell you when you need to grab those. But I opened. she opened her Bible, and she had me read. This is Romans 10, starting with verse 9. She's, and, it, and she gave me her Bible, which she had in her classroom. This is happening in a first-grade classroom, by the way. She opens her Bible, and she said, read this. And this is what I read. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So she had me read that scripture, and it was pretty clear to me Looking back, I know now that my whole life I had believed. But, oh, this is the critical part. My whole life I had believed in Jesus. I had believed in God. I had believed in the Holy Spirit. 
but I had never prayed a prayer asking him to be my Savior. Asking him and inviting him to be the Lord of my life and surrendering me to him. I had never done that. She led me in a prayer of salvation. That was on February 19th, 2002. That was the day that everything changed in an amazing way. Now, before I go on and share my testimony, I want to tell you a couple things about that salvation. It sounds like a really simple thing. And it is. God makes things simple. I've realized that, in fact, Kent and I both talk about how simple it is. God doesn't make things difficult. Sounds simple. But so many people, I think, think because it's so simple, is it, like, really that important? Or because it's so simple, is it real? Well, let me tell you, God showed me in a hurry that it was real. Now, I didn't have a lightning strike experience like I did with the computer when I prayed that prayer. But I began to see the evidence of my salvation almost immediately. The first thing that I saw, the first thing that I knew, the first thing that happened to me was that oppressive fear lifted. That fear that had literally felt like I was suffocating me lifted. That was awesome. Here I was with a death sentence, and instead of having that fear that was squelching the life out of me, I had peace, and it was completely completely God, that peace that passes all understanding. The second thing is that I started seeing evidence of my prayers being answered. All over the place, little things, most of them were little at the beginning. It was like, oh my gosh, I talk to God and he answers. I talk, I pray, and I see the answer to my prayer, and I had never seen that. I was 43 when I was diagnosed, and I had never had that experience. It was so real to me. Now, Jenny gave me, I want to tell you one more thing about evidence of my salvation before I tell you the next step. The third thing that happened besides the fear lifting and me seeing evidence of prayers being answered, the third thing was a big deal. The pain left. Remember I said it was the enemy? It was the enemy. It was the spirit of pain Yes, I had cancer in my lymph node system, but there really wasn't any physical reason for me to have that pain. That was the enemy. The pain left. Now, I had gone to a healing meeting, that same healing meeting I told you about, and I had been prayed over. When I was prayed, when I went to that meeting, I was in so much pain, I could hardly stand. There was a long worship period, and I was standing there holding onto the pew in front of me with a ton of pain. And that's, that uh, whole service lasted a long time. It was probably three hours long, and I was pain the whole, the whole time. And I had been in pain. Now, that was one week after my diagnosis. So I'd only been in pain for a week, because the devil didn't put it on me until I got the diagnosis. I had that prayer, that healing prayer. I had hands laid on me, and I had prayer over me. And I walked out of that place with just as much pain as I walked in. That was a Friday night. The next day was Saturday. The pain was a lot less. The next day was Sunday. The pain was gone. It didn't happen immediately. But God was working in me. I I love to tell people. I love to have people repeat after me when I pray for them. And this is what I say. I say, say this. I pray for them. I lay my hands on them and I pray for them. And I say, now repeat after me. The Spirit of God is moving mightily in me now in the name of Jesus. Because he is. When we pray, 
It's not us. It's God's Holy Spirit. And he is moving mightily. He was moving mightily in me at that healing meeting. I didn't know it. I didn't feel it. But two days later, that pain was gone, and it never came back. Well, let me tell you, God was getting hold of my attention in a big way. So that was two, three days after I was saved. Well, when I was the same day I was saved, Jenny gave me some little bits of advice. And the first piece of advice that she gave me that was part of my blessed journey, and it has been a part of my journey ever since, she said, Cindy, spend time with God every day. Pray, read the Bible. Well, I had never done that before. I was a once a week girl. I did my hour on Sunday, and that was the only time I spent with God. Once in a great while, I would, you know, call out to him if I had any, but it wasn't a consistent relationship with God. So I started having a consistent time with God, and I started um, seeking him. And this is what happened. This, my friends, is the most important thing that I can share. I can share all sorts of things about all sorts of deep things about healing, but this is the most important thing that I can share with you. And that is that as I started to spend time with God, and as I started talking to him through prayer, as I started listening to him through his word, I came to know him personally. Before that, uh, he was a distant God, and I didn't, I didn't know him personally. When I started reading the Bible, I started to come to know the God of love, the God who is love, not just that he loves me, but that he is love. And he's in me. I came to know the compassion of Christ. I came to know the character of Jesus. I came to see through the Bible, through reading, account after account after account of the healing of Jesus. I came to see that he never turned people away. I came to see that he never said, no, you're not good enough. I came to see that he didn't say you have to be perfect first and then come back tomorrow. Maybe I'll heal you then. He is a God. He was... When he was walking on this earth, his hand of compassion moved and people were healed. There are 18 individual accounts of healing in the Gospels. And then, aside from those 18 individual accounts of healing, there are 17 others where Jesus was in a crowd, in a multitude, and he healed everybody in need. So I, I started reading all these, these scriptures and saying, that's Jesus. He hasn't changed. There's another scripture that says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's Hebrews 13, verse 8. And, and that was just made real to me. Jesus is still here. He's, he's not dead. He's alive. I knew that much. In my, in my days before I had a personal relationship, I knew that he was raised from the dead. He's the same. He hasn't changed. But then you say, well, then why don't I see miracles all over? Well, we're going to go there. So I developed this relationship with God. I want to compare it because this helps me so much. Because this is, like I said, this is the most important thing I want to share today is the relationship piece. If you have somebody that you love, if you have somebody that you care about, think about your relationship with them. It might be your husband, it might be your your um, your sister, it might be your mother, it might be your um, a good friend. If you have a good relationship. The way that relationship grows is by spending time with them, communicating with them, communicating a lot with them. 
telling them your 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 dreams and your goals and your desires and and the things that frustrate you and the things that make you angry and the things that you love and the things that you hate as you talk to that person as they talk to you as you come to really 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 know them your relationship grows and then what you, what happens is that their words the things that they talk about are backed up by their actions. My husband is an amazing man, and his actions completely are in line with his words. This week, the thing that God's been talking to me about a lot is faithfulness, his faithfulness. But the thing that he showed me this week is that I can see his faithfulness through the faithfulness of my husband, because what he says he does. I can count on him 100%. I expect certain things of him because I know him. I know how he treats me. I know how he acts towards me. I know what what makes him angry. I know what makes him happy. You know, I know all that. And I know that he's a very faithful person. Well, the same exact thing, except way multiplied, so much more, is true with God. As we come to know him personally, and as we see his actions in our lives we we come to trust him because his words are backed up as that pain left my body as the peace came the word of god was being backed up through his actions in my life and i was seeing it become real to me it wasn't just a fairy tale it seemed like a fairy tale at first but then as it as my life started growing and i saw that the evidence of god in my life it became real to me I have a wonderful quote that I love. I share it all the time, and that is that trust is the fruit of a relationship in which you know you are loved. Trust is the fruit of a relationship in which you know you are loved. I know I'm loved by my husband, and that trust is a fruit of it. Trust is a fruit of that love, but the same thing is true about God. As I come to know his love as i come to know his word and see that he is faithful to his word as i come to to know his love through experience for myself that trust builds that trust builds and that leads me to the next part of this journey that i'm on and that is trusting god trusting him without always understanding everything we were talking earlier, I was talking with Deidre, about childlike faith. And that's a really very, very simple, absolute trust in God. That's what faith is. It starts with this trust. But the, the foundation isn't just saying, okay, God, I'm going to believe. I'm going to really try hard. I'm really going to focus my mind and focus my heart. I'm going to try to believe. That's not where it starts. Where it starts is relationship with him. Where it starts is knowing his love. And as you come to know his love, then the trust is a byproduct. And trust is faith. So, I'm in this place where I'm diagnosed with stage 4 cancer. My good, my good friend is saying, Cindy, that's not God's will. That's the enemy. And she's saying, Jesus paid the price for your healing when he was on that cross. And I'm thinking, whoa. I really like the sounds of that. But... How am I ever going to believe that? That is so far outside of the paradigm that I've lived in for 43 years. 
But I really wanted to believe. Well, what I did, I'm going to tell you some of the scriptural things that happened in me. But what I did was I chose, and this is the childlikeness, I chose to believe God at his word, even when I didn't understand it, instead of basing my beliefs on what I saw in the world. I was 43 years old, and I had never seen one person healed. So if I would have based my belief on that, I would not be here today. I had never seen it. But I chose to believe God at his word. If you, want to, if you haven't already done so, there are some scriptures on your table. I'm going to be referring to these. You may want to have them in front of you, so somebody at the table, pass them around, please. The first scripture I'd like to read is the one um, about childlike faith. Jesus loved children, and I think the reason that children were so special to him is because there wasn't all that junk, all those layers and layers of the world that had settled on him. They were so fresh, and they were so open. God says to us that that's how we need to come to him. Now, I see a lot of beautiful adults sitting right there on the other side of me, that we've lived a whole lot of years, and we have a whole lot of knowledge, and we have a whole lot of uh, uh Faith, that, and I'm using the word faith as like a religion, a whole lot of religion that has been planted in us through our years of living. This is what God says to do with all that. This is Jesus, not me. <laughs> At about the same time, the disciples came to Jesus asking, Who gets the highest rank in God's kingdom? For an answer, Jesus called over a child. He didn't call over one of the apostles. He didn't talk about Moses. He didn't talk about Abraham, the father of faith. He called over a child whom he stood in the middle of the room, and this is what he said. I'm telling you once and for all that unless you return to square one and start over like children, you're not even going to get a look at the kingdom, let alone get in. Whoever becomes simple and elemental again like this child will rank high in God's kingdom. That's what I did. I didn't realize it when I was doing it. But I had 43 years of religion. I had 43 years of teaching from the church that I was in. And all of a sudden I'm hearing something different. I did what the scripture says. I started over. Like a little child. I said, okay, God, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I'm just going to seek you and let you fill in the blanks. There's another scripture, it's not on your sheet, but it's a very similar one where God tells us that we are to accept God's kingdom with the simplicity of a child. Put aside all of the intellectual stuff. Put aside all those years of teaching and all those years of stuff. And and when you have a need, say, God, okay, here I am. I'm coming to you simply accepting you with the simplicity of a child and what you give me. See what happens when you do it. Try it. Try it. So here I am in this place of a new truth that I've never heard about healing. I had heard, as many of you have, that sometimes it was God's will for people to be sick. I had heard, as many of you probably have, that he might be teaching me something. It might be for a purpose of some kind. What I know now is that it never says in the Bible that he's going to teach us anything by hurting us. He is a good God. It says lots in there about him being a good God. 
He, every good and perfect gift is from above. It doesn't say the bad stuff's from above. Every good thing is from above. God is good. God is love. Think about you, mamas. Think about you. We have a love for our kids that is so deep that it is the depth of our heart and soul. Our babies are, are the love of our lives, and we would never hurt them. Now, we might, you know, correct them. <laughs> we might discipline them, but we would never hurt them. No way. We love them too much, and God loves us. He is love, and he is only good. He has only good to give. Think of heaven. Do you think there's sickness in heaven? No. Do you think that there's uh, disease and cancer and arthritis and, and uh, emotional diseases and emotional disorders and all that stuff in heaven? No. Absolutely not. That's God. I love the Our Father. It says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God wants his will to be done here on earth just like it is in heaven. I say there's no cancer in heaven. That means his will is that there's no cancer on earth. There's no pain in heaven. That means it's his will that there's no pain on this earth. So, how did I get there? How did I get to that place of believing? Well, again, it's very, it's, it's simple. God makes things simple. I would like to read a scripture now that, this is one of my favorites. This is the father of faith, Abraham. He's called the father of faith. And... This man had a really good reason to be doubtful. We're going to read it in just a second. I'm going to back up a little bit from where it is on your, on your sheet. I'm going to read the first part of verse 16. Because in, I was just reading this this morning. God gave me this this morning as I was reading the Bible. We have the tendency to... Um, ride on our parents' coattails with religion. I did. What my parents believed, I believed. What they did, I did. It wasn't between me and God. It was just following after my parents. And that was like my inheritance. It was like, okay, I have inherited God through my parents. But that's not right. The only way you inherit God, and you do, is through him. We are the king's kids. We have his inheritance. But this is how it happens. Look at this verse. It's not on your paper, so you just have to listen. In, therefore, inheriting the promise is the outcome of faith and depends entirely on faith in order that it may be given as an act of grace. Let me read that again. Therefore, inheriting the promise, that's the inheritance of God in my life, that inheritance is the outcome of faith. It's the result of believing. And it depends entirely on faith. It doesn't depend on what my parents believed and what they taught me. It depends on faith in order that it might be given to me as an act of grace. Everything that Jesus did was grace. Grace is, is this gift I envision this amazing, beautiful present with beautiful bows and ribbons, and inside of that present is everything that is good. Fullness of life, healing, uh, freedom of the, the, the junk in the world. That's in the gift. And that package was purchased for me and for you 
when Jesus died on the cross, just like Colleen saying, he paid the price. Not because I earned it, because he loved me so much. How many of you have given your kids a present they probably didn't earn? <laughs> We've given these awesome gifts, and oh my goodness, it's so fun to give them. Our God did that, and that's how we inherit. That's, the, that's where the inheritance comes from. It's through believing. But let me go on and read about Abraham. For Abraham, human reason for hope being gone, hoped in faith that he should become the father of many nations as he had been promised. So numberless shall your descendants be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered the utter impotence of his own body, which was as good as dead because he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's dead and womb. No unbelief or distrust made him waver, doubtingly questioned concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong and was empowered by faith as he gave praise and glory to God, fully satisfied and assured that God was able and mighty to keep his word and to do what he had promised. Wow. He was 100 years old. He was impotent. His wife was barren. She was 97. Don't have to worry about being too old. <laughs> we were having this conversation then. 97 years old, God gave them a promise. God said, you're going to be the father of many nations. And he didn't have a baby. He didn't have a son. He tried to do it on his own. It didn't work out the way that it should have because he went outside of God's will. But God gave him a promise. Well, I love it in the scripture where it says that he knew, he was fully satisfied and assured that God was able and mighty to keep his word and to do what he had promised. Well, here I was with that stage four cancer. And that's childlike faith. It was like, I don't know how you're going to do this, God. This is what the doctor's report says. This is what the CAT scan and the PET scan show. This is what the fine needle biopsies show. But I trust you. I'm fully satisfied, God. I'm assured of your word. I don't know how. I don't get it. I don't understand it. But I choose to believe it. I choose to believe you at your word. In Mark 11, this is one of my favorite scriptures from the Bible. It's Jesus talking about faith. In Mark 11, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He had just, the day before, he was walking along with the disciples and he had seen a fig tree. And the fig tree was leafed out, which meant there should be fruit, but there wasn't. And when he went to that tree, he cursed it. I just thought that was kind of mean. <laughs> if he cursed that tree, it wasn't producing fruit. Cursed the tree. And they walked away. The next day, they walked by that fig tree again. And the fig tree had withered from its roots. Isn't that interesting? It had withered. It didn't just die. It withered from its roots. Think about that when you're praying for sickness. Very often, well, not very often. This is how I always pray. I pray that those roots are destroyed. I curse the roots of that disease. I curse the roots, the cause. Now, this is what Jesus told them. He said, when they saw that fig tree, He said, So Jesus answered them and said to them, Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. 
Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Well, this scripture was shared with me when I was first diagnosed with cancer. And basically, what it says is I'm supposed to speak to that cancer and tell it to be gone. And then if I believed it without doubting, that I would have whatever it is that I was asking for. Now, first, the important thing is, is it God's will? Because that's what people ask me. Well, you've got to make sure it's in God's will. Well, it is. It is. Again, we go back to the Bible. Always, always back to the Bible. In the Bible, Jesus healed all. In the Bible, he healed all who were sick. In the Bible, he moved with compassion to heal the sick. So bottom line is it's his will. And if you don't believe me, I can show you a lot more scriptures. Okay, so that was the first thing. So I spoke to that cancer and said, go. Leave me in the name of Jesus. But then the other part of that scripture says you need to believe that without doubting. And that was the tricky part. It's one thing to say it, and it's another thing to not doubt it. Now, I just talked this Wednesday night. This is a new revelation God just gave to me this week. And that is that I believe these are two separate entities. It's not, when we believe, when we make the choice to go simply believing what God says, we can do that. I, I did it. The doubting part, this is me speaking, I don't believe it's changing my mind and saying one minute I believe and the next meeting saying I guess I don't believe. I never, I never wavered there. The unbelief part comes from the distractions of the world. The unbelief part comes from the doctor's report. The unbelief part comes from what the people are saying that are all around me that think I'm dead, dead man walking. The unbelief part comes from the pain, the symptoms, the side effects of the medicine. Sorry. That's the unbelief part. Now, God says to me in this scripture, he says, believe it without doubting. Well, there's this precious truth, a spiritual truth. It's a law, like the law of gravity. The law of gravity always works if there's gravity around, right? You drop something, it's going to fall. Okay. This is always, always true. And there's a scripture on your table. There's two scriptures. The first one is Romans 10, 17, and it says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, faith is believing. And believing comes by hearing. The first day that I was saved, Jenny gave me this book. It was in her desk drawer. <laughs> I love it when teachers have all the stuff they need to minister right in the public school. <laughs> she gave me this book, and she said, Cindy, this is your medicine. And she said, take this three times a day. I was like, okay, what is this? Well, I read, there's a really good little description of the reason that this is medicine. And then this book is filled with scriptures. It's, it's not magic, it's scriptures. Well, I guess it kind of is, because God's word is supernatural. But it has scriptures in here that are all about healing. And she said, read these out loud every day. I didn't know then why. Childlike this, I just was obedient. I said, okay, okay, I can do that. Gave me something to do when I was waiting for this all this medical stuff to happen. So I started reading these scriptures out loud. Now I know that I wasn't just reading something out loud. I was praying the word of God. I was declaring his word. Um, sometimes they're called confessions. The word confession 
that really threw me because all I knew of confession was going and sitting in a little room with a priest and telling him my sins. <laughs> but confessions, I now know, means agreeing with God. So as I was reading these out loud, I was agreeing with God. And this is what happened. Because there's a spiritual law that when you feed, when you hear the word of God, it builds you up and it becomes real to you. When I first started saying these awesome scriptures out loud, it seemed like a fairy tale to me. It didn't seem real to me. The more I spoke them out loud, the more real they became to me. They became, they deposited in my heart. It didn't happen automatically. It didn't happen all at once. Over time, those scriptures became really real to me. So real that I believed God's word more than I believed the stage four doctor's report. So I had this little book. It went everywhere with me. This is another one that is excellent. We can tell you what, what the pros and cons. There's really no cons. But we can tell you the benefits of each of these little books. There's a lot more besides these. There's just good resources. And the good thing is you can keep them in your purse or your pocket and have them with you all the time. So this is something I did. And then the next scripture gives you another biblical reason of why that grew me up during this time when I needed healing so desperately. This is John chapter 15, verse 4. I love the whole chapter. This is a chapter where it talks about Jesus being the vine and us being the branches. And if you just take time to read and meditate on this whole scripture, it's just very, very rich. But this particular verse, verse 4, says, Dwell in me and I will dwell in you. Live in me and I will live in you. Just as no branch can bear fruit of itself without abiding in or being vitally united to the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. What happened to me as I was abiding in him, as I was reading those scriptures, as I was spending time with God, as I was abiding in him, I was getting the life from the vine, just like the scripture says. If you see a tree with a, a branch... <coughs> Now, this is the cool part. I didn't even grow on that branch. I was engrafted into it. Because that's what happened when I became his child. I was engrafted into the, the vine of Jesus, the vine of life. Yes. So this vine was giving me life as I was connected to the vine. Now, notice it says abide. That's my part. If I don't abide, I don't stay connected. And if a branch isn't connected to the vine, it's not going to live. It's going to die. I was connected, though. I was staying connected. And not only was I staying connected to him, I was specifically staying connected to the healing um, scriptures. That's where my focus was. I needed physical healing. I was connected to the healing scriptures. And as I would take those in, as I would speak them out loud, that's what happened. That life of the healing scriptures was literally, physically putting life in my body. Awesome. Okay, now, one more thing before I tell you the end of my story. And that is another big deal that happened during this season. Going back to that whole childlikeness, one of the things that I see looking back is the importance of obedience. I talked about relationship. I talked about believing. Obedience is another important part. They go hand in hand, believing and following God as he gives you directions. Well, one of the things that he gave me a direction with, he gave me a lot of directions, actually, but this is one I want to share. 
The same scripture about the mountain, speaking to the mountain, I read it every day. That was like, ooh, yummy. I loved it. Speak to that mountain, it has to go. I love that scripture. But the very next verse, I didn't love so much. Because <laughs> it gave me a, 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 a something in my heart, my conscience, was very um, stirred in a, in a way that I knew there was a problem. And I didn't know what it was. But this is what the scripture says. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. So I'd read that every day, along with the other scripture about speaking to the mountain and receiving, and I would go, God, what are you trying to tell me? Actually, I didn't ask him for quite a while. <laughs> I just would ignore it and go on. And then one day I, I stopped and I started talking to God about it. I said, God, I don't get it. I don't have any that I know of. I don't have any unforgiveness. I don't have any feuds going on. I talk to everybody. I don't have anybody I hate or anything. What is it? As soon as I asked him, he showed me. Immediately, the same, the same moment after I asked him, he showed me. And I did. It wasn't unforgiveness, but it was an offense. And it was an offense that had been built up over year after year after year after year. And I didn't even know it. It's one of the baits of Satan, and it is so subtle that there are many of us that have offense and don't even know it. My offense was against my sister. My sister lived in Colorado at that time, and so we had a lot of distance between us, and it was really easy for this offense to, to happen because of the distance in, in miles. But it, it, was, it suited me fine. And I won't go into a lot of detail other than it had to do with parenting. And if you've been a mama and you know how, how uh, sensitive you are to anything that's uh, is spoken against your parenting, right? Well, my sister was a very good mom. She is a very good mom. But she had different ways of parenting than Kent and I did. And I don't think that she was speaking against our methods of parenting, but she was just very outspoken about her methods of parenting. <laughs> And what happened was I took offense. And I was a kind of, my sister's a very outspoken person, and I wasn't, because I didn't like conflict. So I would just take it all in, take it all in, take it all in. And what I did was I built a wall of offense. This is what I know now that I didn't know then. When you have an offense between you and another person, there's a wall. There was a definite wall between my sister and I. I wanted to stay on my side of the wall, and I wanted her on the other side. There was a definite wall. But not only was there a wall between myself and her, there was also a wall between myself and God. That's what this scripture says. He says that if we don't forgive, he can't forgive us. Now, I have a theory about that because I know my God's love. I've been telling you about love, that he's only good. He has only good to give. So why would he forgive? I don't believe it's because he doesn't want to. This is what I believe. I believe that when we have that offense or unforgiveness, we have a hardened heart. We have, towards that person, we have hardness on our heart. And because of that hardness, we aren't open to receive his healing. That gift, that package includes forgiveness. That beautiful package includes healing. That beautiful package includes divine life. But if we have hardness, we aren't open to receive it. 
When I teach about faith and grace, I teach about the fact that God did his part once and for all. He's done. He doesn't have to do it again. Our part is to receive it. Well, when I had that bitterness around my heart, I wasn't open to receive his forgiveness. And in order for me to have all of that other healing, forgiveness was a very big first step. I needed that forgiveness. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Once I had received Jesus as my Savior, I had him in me. That's part of what happens when you receive Jesus as your Savior. You have the Holy Spirit in you. I also was baptized in the Holy Spirit, which is, for those of you who may not know, I won't go into detail now, but that's even more of the Holy Ghost. It's awesome. So I was beginning to hear God's voice. Thank God he showed me. I don't think I would have received my healing if I hadn't let go of that very big, deep offense. And I did. Long story short, as soon as I made the choice to forgive, as soon as I made the choice to resolve that situation, it just broke. It just tumbled away. It was resolved immediately because God was in it. You just have to take the first step and he does the rest. He's so good. So I was diagnosed in January. All of this stuff was happening in, uh, spiritually in my life. In a very short time, doctor's reports started to change. It's awesome. Within one month, I, I had an inconclusive report. Remember, I had lymph nodes in all my whole lymph node system that were enlarged and showed cancer activity. So the next thing the doctors wanted to do was to get more bi biopsies to make sure that what they were doing. They couldn't get any. They had a CAT scan. They had the, the, the technician that was drawing the cells. They would go right into that lymph node draw, couldn't get any cells. It was considered inconclusive. Well, I was rejoicing all the way. I was praising God all the way. That was in March. I went back to the doctor and he said, okay, um, let's do another PET scan. They were confused. So they did another PET scan. The second PET scan confirmed the first one. That was a bad report. It confirmed cancer activity in my lymph node system. But this is what God did for me. I had been praying his word cons uh, consistently. I had been speaking those healing scriptures and growing that faith up in me. And when I got that bad report, I had the healing scriptures in my heart. And even though that doctor's report was bad, I had God's word, and God's truth supersedes facts. Amen. And this is what happened. As I, the technician took me back, and showed me my body on a computer screen with all of the lit up areas that the PET scan showed. And I'm sitting there in front of the computer with her with cat. And the first thing that happened was fear, tried to get me. But then the Holy Spirit, I was fed by the Holy Spirit. I was fed by the Word. And the Holy Spirit gave me good questions to ask. She gave me the ability to talk to this technician in a really detailed, deep way. And I walked out of there believing with all my heart that the degree of cancer was less. And this was one other interesting thing that the doctor, my oncologist, wouldn't acknowledge. But the one area that had been positive, that had had the, the needle biopsy at the very beginning, didn't light up on that PET scan. And I said, well, that's interesting. So I went home saying, okay, there may still be some cancer activity in there, but it's less. 
I know it's less. And this is what God did for me to confirm that. I went home from the doctor. I opened my Bible. And I opened it to Philippians chapter 1, and it's on your paper right now. And this is the scripture that was like right in my face. It's called a rhema word. That means that God took the scripture and he lit it up for me. And it was as he said, Cindy, this is your word right now for this situation. Take hold of it. It's yours. Cindy, be confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And then I read a little further, and verse 12 said, But I want you to know, Cindy, that the things which happened to you have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. That's good news. I had just had that PET scan. I walked out of there saying, okay, that degree of cancer is less. And then God gave me this word. He said, Cindy, be confident of this. That the word, that what I'm doing in you, what I've begun in you, I'm going to bring it through to completion. I typed that up. I cut it out, put it on my refrigerator, and I looked at it every day. God, that's your promise for me. That's your promise for me. That's your word for me. That's still his word for me. I'm furthering his gospel today. I'm preaching his word every chance I get today. My body was healed and so much more today. So that was in April. Then I went back to my doctor and they said, okay, we have to make a plan. Because of the PET scan, they really believed there was cancer. So they wanted to do, uh, the next step they wanted to do was uh, exploratory surgery. Because they said if, they, they gave me three options. They said we can do nothing. And if we do nothing, you will, according to this information, you have six to nine months to live. Well, it had already been three or four months. <laughs> Second option was to treat it as if it were stage three. The doctor said, according to the PET scan, there's activity in all the other parts of your body, so it will do no good, which I had heard months before. The third option was to do exploratory surgery. Take out those lymph nodes that they couldn't get the, the cells from, send them to the pathologist, see what was really there, and then just determine what to do. Now, they told me they believed that it was cancer, and they told me that their plan was to do chemo uh, that was so aggressive that I would be hospitalized one week out of every three during the series of the chemo. And I know a lot of people who have had treatment, and I just heard the first time last week about somebody else that had that treatment, but we've been dealing with people with cancer for eight, nine years. That's not a typical treatment plan. It was a very, very, very aggressive, bad kind of cancer that the doctor believed was in my body. So we opted to go for that exploratory surgery, which was, I went to the doctor in April. I called my surgeon right away. Couldn't get in for surgery until June. Six months. They gave me six months to live. I was diagnosed in January. Now, I don't know about you, but I do know that cancer is usually attacked immediately, usually within a week. And it's, I, you know what it was? It's called divine delays. <laughs> divine delays. God knew what was best for Cindy. And he was taking care of me. And every time I had one of those divine delays, I said, thank you, God. Thank you, God. I have more time. I have more time to be built up in the Holy Spirit. I have more time. He told me, be confident of this, Cindy. This, you know, I'm bringing it through to completion. But I knew that I had a part to play. So June came, and I went in for the surgery. And you know the end of the story. I went in for the surgery. I kept with Sarah with his mom. This is his mom right here. And when I came out of surgery, I was in the recovery room, and my husband met me. 
there, and he said, Cindy, there is no cancer in your body. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. One month after that, I had one more surgery because the lymph node in my groin that had originally been positive, the doctors are saying, okay, we're, it's stage three. <laughs> it's curable. We're going to do this lymph node dissection in a year of treatment. And I said, no, no. My God healed me completely. He healed me fully. So this is what I, 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 I'm going to be wise. I have three grown kids, and I'm going to be there for my grandbabies. That's my words. <laughs> so I went in, and I said, okay, you can take out that one lymph node. But if to do a frozen biopsy, if it comes back negative in the frozen biopsy, which isn't a 100% negative, but if it comes back negative, stop. If it comes back positive, which I knew it wouldn't, do the whole thing. Well, it came back negative. They sent it to the pathologist. It was 100% negative, not one cell of cancer anywhere in my body. My God healed me 100%. That was nine years ago. Yes, give him the glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father God. That was nine years ago when I went through the whole regimen, of the pro followed the protocol, went to the oncologist, had the CAT scans, I had skin checks. I had one a couple weeks ago. I consistently take care. I was released from the oncologist about five years ago. Now, my journey continues, and I'm not going to go into detail there because of time, but my journey continues. Within a very short time, I was literally awestruck because God healed my body, and then I started telling people about it, and I saw people being healed all over the place. Within a very few months, I saw three healings. The first one was a man of terminal brain cancer. I never met him. I talked to him on the phone. I prayed with him on the phone. I sent him one of those little blue books. I, 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 that's all I did. A couple months later, he was healed. Another man, that I, a husband of one of the ladies I work with, had high-grade sarcoma. It's a form of blood cancer that goes into your tissue and forms like a fatty tissue, and it's very, very, very bad form of cancer. His diagnosis changed from high-grade sarcoma to no cancer, no treatment. And now it's literally, literally knocking the wind out of me as I'm seeing God's word effectual in other people's lives. All I was doing was sharing my story. And then the third person was another lady that I work with, and her son had, they were testing him for this weird blood thing that was going on in his body. And they sent her to a pediatric hematologist. And if you know what that is, it's a blood cancer for children, leukemia. And that's where she was sent. And she, I walked with her through that whole journey. I stood firm with her through that whole time. And it was not cancer. So within a, like two months after I received my healing, these three things happened. Let me tell you, God had my attention in a big way. About a year or so later, he put on my heart to write this first book, which is my testimony and teaching. The first part is the story that I told you in a lot more detail. The second part are three more healings, two of the ones I just mentioned, and then a third one of people that I saw receive healing. Amazing, amazing testimonies. And then the third part is teaching. The things that I know now that I didn't know then, I put in here so that you cannot base it on me or my story, but on God's word.
this book, I, I asked Kent to help me find out how many we have out there, but I think it's about 2,000 of these books. We're on our second printing, and it just goes out into hand after hand after hand, and it ministers in such a precious way. I was talking to Patty, is that your name? Peggy, at dinner, and I said, it wasn't me. I didn't write this book. It was the Holy Spirit. I was disciplined to do it, but he did it through me. And then my pastor, our pastor asked us to start a Bible study at our church about healing, or a, you know, a healing group, which we did. I got to get away from that speaker. And um, we started five and a half years ago with this healing group. And again, same thing. We started seeing lives changed. What we often see are people who come in um, like I was, with fear and with uh, just this awful diagnosis, either a terminal or a um, chronic illness. And as they start hearing the kinds of things that I'm sharing, and as we pray for them, and as we give them tools, they have a new life. It's not just healing. It's, it is healing. But it's not just healing. Because like I did, I came seeking healing, but I came to know the healer. And that's what we see in our ministry. We see people coming to know the healer. So I put together all the stuff that we've been teaching for all those years into a Bible study that we now follow, kind of, sort of, because God keeps giving me more and more. But this is the, the, four, the foundation of what we teach. It has three big ideas. The first big idea is to go through the Bible and show you that it is always God's will to heal. That's the first part. The second part is our part in receiving, our part in that childlike faith, our part in believing, our part in the forgiving, our part in, in coming to know Jesus as our personal Lord, not just our Savior, but our Lord. And the third big part of this Bible study is our authority over the enemy. Because just as Jenny told me, God didn't do this to me, it was the enemy. We have authority because Jesus already defeated the enemy. The good news is we don't have to fight the war. We just have to enforce our authority. But if you don't know it, you don't know how to enforce it. So that's the third big part in this. Now, we have this, all, all of the teachings that I've done are on audio podcasts, and they're available on our website. So it's best to be there, right there, because you're surrounded by like-minded believers, and people can lay hands on you and pray. But second best is to do it from your own home, and look at what God's Word says. What do you have to lose? Have a whole lot to gain. So, as a result of that healing class that we've done, we have seen God's Word come to life. And this is the scripture I'd like to close with. This is Mark chapter 16, verse 20. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord kept working with them and confirming the message by the attesting signs and miracles that closely accompanied it. Amen. So be it. That's what we're seeing. We're seeing signs and wonders following the presenting of his word. I have a document. You're welcome to look at it. It's got lots and lots and lots of documented healings on here. Right now we have over 28 documented healings of cancer. We have people who have been healed of bipolar, people who have been healed of Asperger's, which is a, uh, on the spectrum of autism, people that have been healed of Crohn's disease, heart disease, heart issues, and both 
uh, your emotional heart as well as the physical heart. We have people who have been healed of seizure disorder, people who have been healed of arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis. A woman a couple weeks ago had an immediate healing of vertigo. Um, migraine headaches, people who have come in who have lived with migraine headaches their whole lives, who don't have migraine headaches anymore. Jesus carried their pain and they received his healing. People that have been, a uh, one woman, this is on our website, she had a miscarriage and um, the day, the day that she had the miscarriage, that book came in the mail to her. She read my book the same day that she miscarried. She was so, so ministered to. She went in one month later to have her test, her physical, after the miscarriage. She was pregnant. That is physically impossible, according to the doctor. Jesus, the healer, healed her from the inside out. We, I mean, the, the depth of his love is absolutely, un, un, there's no way in words to tell you how amazing he is and what we've seen as he has just moved divine healing, divine health, and a divine life. Father God, we just thank you. We thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, that you are faithful to your word. We thank you, Father, that you show us through your love. You show us through your actions that you are God. Father, I pray today that each one of us in this room knows for experience for ourselves your love. We know for experience for ourselves that you are the Lord of all, that there is no other God besides you. Yes. We know through experience for ourselves that Jesus is our healer, that he is the love of our life and the Lord of our life, and that nothing, nothing can compare to the fullness of life with Jesus. And friends, right now I'm going to pray a prayer of surrender a prayer of salvation, a prayer that I prayed that I didn't know that I had never prayed, the prayer that filled me up where I was seeking and I didn't know I was seeking, the prayer that filled me up where I was empty and I didn't know I was empty, the prayer that took me out of a world of vanity and a world of futility and a world of emptiness and put me in a world so full because God is now everything. And he filled all of those gaping holes. And I want to pray that with you right now. If you believe in Jesus, if you believe that Jesus came to this earth and was raised from the dead, if you believe, then we're just going to speak it out. And we're going to give Jesus the lordship of our life. And we're going to give him the control. It's so much better to surrender to him and not to have to figure it out on your own. So if you agree with all that, Pray this with me, and if you don't, go home and think about it, and you can go to God any moment at any time on your own. Father God, I come before you right now in a state of surrender. I want to give you control of my life. I can't do it on my own. I don't want to do it on my own. I want to be filled with you. I believe in Jesus. I believe that Jesus was raised from the dead so that I could be raised to new life. I invite you to be the Lord of my life, Jesus. I invite you to be my Savior. 
I give you control and I receive you into my heart. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for healing me. Thank you for filling me with you. In Jesus' name, amen.